New York is going for it all. Every last bit of gun grab they can do, they are doing, including their latest moves, which will say you can't buy certain weapons unless you're 21. Can't buy a rifle unless you're 21. You can't be 18 years old and just walk in and buy a firearm, according to the governor, Kathy Hochul. I'm not sure why that is. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so great to be with you. On the federal side, they're talking about expanding red flag laws. They're talking about more money for for mental health services. I'm not sure what exactly either one means, but they're not talking about what they call an assault weapons ban, even though none of them could actually define what an assault weapon is. Cam Edwards joins us right now. He is the editor of BearingArms.com and the host of Cam and Company. I want to start with this New York legislation because it would seem to me outsider looking in uh, that this changing the the age conversation should work uh, negatively against the political left and other things they think they should lower the age on like voting for example but we co- there does come a conversation of why we have age differences between rifles and handguns and how does this play constitutionally? So give us a breakdown of what New York just passed in, in, in a super big hurry. And then how do we think this is going to play out when it gets to the courts? Yeah, uh, appreciate the invite, as always, Tony. So, yeah, so, I mean, you basically laid it out. You know, New York uh, just passed this law that says uh, no longer can 18, 19, and 20-year-olds purchase the most commonly sold rifle in the country today, right? Uh, semi-automatic rifles are the most common form of rifles. They outsell bolt action. They outsell lever action uh, rifles. Uh, but now, apparently, you've got to be 21 in order to lawfully purchase one in the state of New York. You know, and as you said, I mean, this was done uh, in response to an 18-year-old uh, legally purchasing a rifle and then using that rifle in the commission of a horrific uh, mass murder in Buffalo, New York. The, the question then becomes, A, does this implicate the constitutional rights of law-abiding 18, 19, and 20-year-olds? And I would argue it does. Uh, and B, does this stand a chance of having a real impact on reducing these already incredibly rare types of targeted attacks? And I would argue that no, this this really does not change the, uh, the move the needle at all. Um, you know, talking about the constitutionality of, of these laws, We've seen a couple of states that have already tried to put similar provisions in place. Uh, the state of Florida did this after Parkland in 2018. And they just said, you got to be 21 to buy a gun, any gun, right? That, that, that's it. you got to be 21 years of age. Uh, the state of California actually took a somewhat more moderate step, believe it or not. Uh, and they passed a law not long ago that said if you're under the age of 21 but over the age of 18 and you want to buy a California-compliant, quote-unquote, assault weapon, uh, then you can't, basically. Um, and if you want to buy another type of uh, long gun, you got to take a hunter ed course. You have to show that, you know, some sort of proof of training uh, in order to purchase a firearm. The Ninth Circuit recently ruled that California law is unconstitutional, that, in fact, it does infringe on the Second Amendment rights of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to purchase uh, lawfully owned firearms that are in common use for a variety of lawful purposes, uh, and that the law had to be struck down. Um, The Florida law is also being litigated as well. It's in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. And a trial court judge upheld the law but said he was doing so basically solely because of precedent, that uh, that he felt like there really were a lot of questions about why 
somebody who is old enough to be drafted into the military, somebody who is old enough to get married, somebody who is old enough to enter into contract, somebody who is considered a legal adult, um, cannot purchase a firearm to protect themselves at home. They may be you know, married, they may have kids, but they're not allowed under law to protect themselves or their child. And I suspect that this is going to run into big constitutional concerns. Now, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, which uh, controls New York, uh, they're likely to go along with whatever New York has done. They've been very amenable to uh, any new gun control laws that are put on the books in, in that circuit. But when this gets up to the Supreme Court, I think those nine justices may have a very, very different view of these laws that basically single out young adults and say, yeah, you're old enough to do all of these things except exercise your right to keep and bear arms. But this is the the left's new tact, that the idea of common sense is a referendum on age, and that the millennia-old view of 18 being adulthood is now something that is uh, pushed to the side. I oppose uh, the increasing of the age shown a firearm, whether it be a rifle or, or a handgun, uh, to 21. I oppose the smoking age being raised uh, to 21, although I absolutely oppose uh, people smoking cigarettes. I personally think it's gross. Cigars, completely different story. And I oppose people not having any level of training when it comes to a firearm, only because I think training is, is good and valuable. And me personally, I could always use uh, some more. The the push is that it's a, the age. The age is the problem. 18-year-olds can't be trusted. There's a societal conversation at play here about what happens when we don't think an 18-year-old is an adult. I mean, it kind of goes back to Obamacare. Uh, uh, they can stay on your – you can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26. That's right. I think adulthood is now uh, – it's now on the spectrum. Right. You've got a spectrum of adulthood. And maybe you don't reach, you know, full adulthood until, I don't know, 40, 67. I, I don't know. But you're right. There does seem to be this sliding scale uh, of adulthood here. And as you say, I mean, this goes all the way down to we should let 16 year olds have the right to vote. We've heard that from Democrats over the past couple of years. In fact, they've made that argument specifically in order to pass gun control laws. Right. We just had these young student activists uh, who were able to cast a vote while they were in high school. By golly, we can get these gun laws changed. Uh, but when it comes to owning a firearm, when it comes to smoking, and I'm with you, Tony, I actually think the drinking age should be lowered to 18 as well, because I think this prohibitionary approach, this abstinence-based approach of don't look at guns, don't talk about guns, don't talk about drugs, don't talk about alcohol, I don't think it works. I'll be honest with you. I don't think right. it works. We have 100,000 drug overdose deaths in this country. We have 100,000 alcohol-related deaths in this country, and violent crime, shootings, and suicides are also up. The, the status quo is not working. But let's be honest, the status quo involves a lot of restrictions on our rights rather than encouraging responsible gun ownership, rather than encouraging people how to drink moderately, encouraging people how to actually be functional adults. We're trying to infantilize you know, an entire population, and then we're shocked that we are raising a, a, no, a no, generation no, no. of – Yes. We're succeeding in infantilizing an entire generation, <laughs> and then we're shocked at the result. I think that's mm-hmm. it. Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. Find him on Twitter, at uh, Cam Edwards. Uh, the, there is a weird, if we engage socially in this just for a, a moment, the same people who tell us that a, an 18-year-old is not ready to purchase a firearm are the same people who can who will tell us in a straight face that a nine-year-old can determine their gender. So much of this 
plays into a very weird social uh, uh, construct conversation or a social games play conversation. And, and we see this with firearms in the following way. I don't, I, I don't know how much you've talked about this or discussed this. There is nothing else in society that I can point to that you can say on this subject, we teach everybody to be afraid and never ask a question, and that's guns. You have in Dallas, Texas, parents bringing their seven-year-old children to a drag queen show at, 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 a, uh, at a bar. That's okay. Sexualizing children, totally fine. But somehow the firearm, just be afraid, and, and, and anytime someone brings it up, immediately cry and scream and yell. This is the new tact over the last few years. Maybe it's longer uh, than, than, than that. Um, this is not the sign of a healthy society, and it is absolutely, as I see it, want to get your thoughts, permeated uh, the House and the Senate. And when you take a look at this new legislation they're talking about, it seems to be uh, based on this kind of the gun is too scary, that's why we can't arm schools, that's why we can't harden schools, and that's why the answer is either removal or changing the ages or more mental health services. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I do think that uh, we actually probably do need to bolster our mental health spending, particularly over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the, the deaths by despair that I kind of talked about uh, really are, I think, a problem. And I think that there's you know, an argument made that things like suicides, including gun-related suicides, are also a part of this problem with the massive increase in overdose deaths and, and alcohol-related deaths that we see in this country. But you're right in that the, the focus, certainly in the House and, and even on the Senate side, has been we need to do something about guns, right? Uh, and for those of us who have studied this issue for years and years and years and have come to the conclusion that, you know, another gun control law isn't really going to be all that helpful, uh, and it is going to have some unintended consequences on legal law-abiding gun owners, they don't want to hear it. You know, they have decided that they have to, quote, do something uh, that involves guns. And I think that they're looking at this from a purely political lens as opposed to what actually works. You know, I had on my program a couple days ago, uh, Dr. James Eric Dietz from Purdue University's Homeland Security Institute. I would encourage you, by the way, to have him on your show because he's been looking at research. He's been conducting research for the last several years on ways to improve school security, ways to stop these attacks. And what he has found is that armed teachers present with a school resource officer uh, is the quickest way to stop an attack in school, and it is the best way to save as many lives as possible. But you're right. The politicians don't want to hear that, right? They, they don't want to have that conversation. They don't want to have that discussion. They want to be able to pass something that they can then take to voters and say, look, I care. This is what we did to show you I care. Well, I don't I, – you know, that's not what I'm asking politicians to do. I want politicians to do something that works and, frankly, you know, expanding background checks to cover online sales, uh, encouraging states to come up with grants for red flag laws. Those things aren't what's going to make a difference in terms of reducing violent crime or identifying, again, these needles in the haystack. Now, I want to... Who are, I, you know, more likely to go off and, and try to target a school or a grocery store or someplace uh, where the general public is, is gathered. I'm talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. Cam Edwards on the Twitter box. Be sure to find him there. Uh, you brought up the red flag laws, although there's there's a lot in here that we could uh, further, further break down. And we, and we may have the time. We may have to save it for a future conversation. I started off as somebody who was a fan of red flag laws 
the idea that you knew somebody was not stable, was not mentally well, you you engaged uh, with, with a judge, you had them adjudicated mentally unfit. Uh, so it wasn't some flip glib process, but rather it was one of caring, it was one of thoughtfulness, uh, because when you're talking about taking away somebody's rights, you better damn well be sure. And so uh, when it, the conversation came up and going over it, I favored it. And then you watch states get abusive with their red flag laws, and it turned me off. I said, okay, all right, you, the government, once again, can't be trusted. I'm done here. So when the federal government, when you see Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat of Connecticut and, and some others, talking about expanding red flag laws, what is it that they're discussing? And are the, I mean, Indiana, of course, has uh, a, a red flag law uh, where I live. Are there any red flag laws that have value? Is this something that we should see as a federal thing, or should this be a state-by-state issue? I, listen, I think it should be a state-by-state issue. I don't see the value in red flag laws for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the due process protections or the lack thereof, right? The fact that in most of these states, uh, you can hold a hearing. The subject of the petition is not there, is not even aware necessarily that uh, uh, this is taking place. They're not able to prevent uh, to present their side of the story. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, right, they get a chance to go back into court and say, hey, here's why I'm not a danger. Um, that's one issue. But that's not the only issue. There's the fact, Tony, that, you know, you just talked about it yourself. A judge adjudicates somebody as having, you know, mental problems. This is not a mental health bill. I'm not aware of any red flag law on the books in any state that requires mental health treatment for somebody who has been red flagged. This is a gun control effort. This takes guns out of the hands of somebody that a judge has deemed to be dangerous, but it leaves the dangerous person alone. That, to me, is reason enough to say, listen, this is so fundamentally flawed. It doesn't address the issue. So we're going to take somebody who's supposedly dangerous. We're going to take any legally owned firearms away from them. But we're going to leave them with their knives and their pills and their gas can and their car keys and matches and whatever else they might use to harm themselves or others. We're not going to require them to get any sort of mental health treatment. We're not going to offer it to them, certainly. That's another issue. Uh, The issue regarding uh, the lack of representation when you're in a courtroom is another huge problem. You know, if you're charged with a crime and you can't afford an attorney, one's going to be appointed for you. But red flag laws take place in civil court. So if you can't afford to hire an attorney, you don't get a public defender. It's you going up against that prosecutor, which tilts the deck even further in favor of the state. And I believe that there's already uh, an attitude of better safe than sorry on the part of these judges. No, no judge wants to be the person who let somebody keep their guns and had them you know, then turn around and use them in a horrific crime. So I think that judges are tempted to just say, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, and grant this petition. Uh, it's a you know, pretty low standard of review. Prosecutors can basically, basically make anybody look like they're too dangerous to own a firearm. Uh, and that way they don't have to worry about the possibility of you know, somebody, quote unquote, slipping through the cracks. We were told when these laws first started coming on the books that they were going to be rarely used. And then what happens is, you know, in New York or another state like Indiana where a mass shooting takes place in a state with red flag laws, then all of a sudden it goes, oh, well, we're not using them enough. And so we've got to use these more, right? And that's when you correctly point out the dangers of just widespread use of red flag laws. Now all of a sudden something that's supposed to be narrowly tailored is being used as sort of a catch-all. Uh, and it doesn't fix the underlying problems in our criminal justice system. It doesn't touch the crisis in our mental health system. It is a – I don't even – I hate to call it even a Band-Aid because I don't even think it does that. 
It is a do-something soundbite solution from politicians that doesn't make us any safer and doesn't address the real issues. Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com, on Twitter, at Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Be sure to get over there uh, to BearingArms.com and check it out. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.